Hi, I'm Sammy Shulman. I'm Josh Siegel. And I'm Aaron Kirkpatrick. And welcome back to The Floater for the first time in a while. It's good to be back with you boys. Yoni is in quarantine in the Holy Land of Israel, and uh, he'll hopefully be joining with us next week. Um, But let's talk some football, boys. Let's do it. So week one came to a close on Monday. I got to say... It was everything I could have dreamed of. Like having football back was one of the best things that's happened in a while. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I had so much fun on Red Zone just watching every game. I, I don't know. know. Do you want to you want to start us off with your summaries, KP? Yeah. So Maybe I got four games what we're doing here. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna do every probably Tuesday or Wednesday. We'll do a summary of what happened the last week. Each of us will get a few games, and we'll just talk about the headlines from it and. It'll be quick, and then we'll move into other stuff. So my first game I had was the Colts versus Jaguars, and I have to say, Minshew Mania is still a thing, okay? Jaguars take down the Colts 27-20. to Minshew himself had more touchdowns than he did in completions. Like, he's still the real deal, in my opinion. The only other notable thing that actually happened from that game was the fact that the Colts lost to the Jaguars, and Marlon Mack, was it a torn Achilles, I think? It was a torn tendon in his ankle. Yeah, he's out for the season, placed on the IR today. I could see the Colts bouncing back this next week just because they don't, you know, if you go 0-2, it's almost mathematically impossible uh, to make it into the playoffs. Phillip Rivers doesn't want to go 0-2 as a new team. But that's my quick thing with the Colts-Jags. Next, I have the Bears versus Lions. Is Mitchell Trubisky back is what I wrote for my headline about that. Bears win 27 to 23 because of the drop by DeAndre Swift. Uh, 11 seconds left. It was in his hands. He dropped it. I don't know what he was doing, but that was abysmal to watch that last play. Great throw from Stafford. Kind of pissed me off. Seahawks Atlanta. Seattle dominates, dropping 38 points in their win over Atlanta. Wilson and Ryan both threw over 300 yards. Todd Gurley in his debut for the Falcons rushes for 56 yards and a touchdown. Nothing too crazy, but it'll be interesting to see what else happens. And finally, the Titans-Broncos, final game of the first week. Broncos, it was their game to lose after Goskowski missed three field goals and an extra point. He ends up winning it for them. All I'm saying is Belichick might have been trying to sabotage the Titans by sending Goskowski over there. Henry... Great game running over 100 yards. Tannehill threw like 43 passes, got 249 yards, and two touchdowns. That's all I got from my games. But if I had to pick a game coming up this week that I'm extremely excited about, uh, I want to see Rams-Eagles. I want to see Aaron Donald dominate that Eagles offensive line. All right. So with my games, we're going to start off with the Steelers and the Giants. Steelers won 26-16. Big Ben is back. Saquon did not have a good game. Um, Jason, not quite sure what the offensive scheme is. Joe Judge had a couple questionable fourth down decisions. Daniel Jones did not look bad with the exception, really, of, again, just letting the pressure come to him. He had a rough interception where his arm got hit. But I think we got pretty much what he expected from both teams. Ravens-Browns. Ravens went 38-6. Lamar, with what at this point has become, like, a pretty typical Lamar performance, 20 for 25, 275, three touchdowns, no picks. 
Ravens defense looked good, forcing three turnovers. Baker looked as erratic as ever, and the Browns are the Browns. Um, Bengals Chargers, Joe Burrow, game-winning touchdown on his first drive, negated by a really, on his first game, negated by a really questionable pass interference call. A.J. Green seemed to look good in his first game back, leading the team in targets. He seems to have a good connection with Burrow, and he would have caught that game-winning touchdown. Then Randy Bullock missed a 31-yard game-tying field goal and supposedly pulled a muscle on his calf. Um, And the new Chargers jerseys are disgusting. Um, Lastly, Packers-Vikings, Aaron Rodgers with a vintage Aaron Rodgers performance, led led up the Vikings. Four touchdowns. Packers also got a safety early on. Dalvin Cook had a good game rushing for two touchdowns. And the Vikings got some garbage time points. We also got a scoregami in this game, um, which for those of you who do not know, scoregami is something done by John Boyce of SB Nation, which is a little project to calculate every score in NFL. And it notes when there's a score that has never been, that has never happened before. And 43-34, that was the first 43-34 game in NFL history. So that was a scoregami. That's like our second scoregami in the past few weeks. We had the Braves game, that 29-6. Not football, but still was a scoregami. I'm just saying. I think it was like 29-9, but either way, the 29 is the important part. All right, good job, guys. Um, Since Yoni's not here, I'll be doing my games and his games. So I'm just going to quickly run through. The rest of week one slate, starting off with Chiefs versus Texans. First game of the season, there were actually some fans, uh, but that wasn't the biggest story because Clyde Edwards-Hilaire stole the show, and somehow the Chiefs' offense got scarier. The rookie dazzled with 138 rushing yards and a touchdown. David Johnson, early on, looked pretty good, showed some bursts, but with only one Texans receiver getting more than two receptions, it was clear that they were missing DeAndre Hopkins, and ultimately the Chiefs won convincingly 34-20. to Moving on to the Sunday slate, 1 o'clock game. My Washington football team versus the Philadelphia Eagles. What do you know? Um, going into it, the Washington uh, football team slash Redskins had not won since 2016 against the Eagles. The Eagles were on a six-game win streak, and they looked to continue that. And it looked like they would early as they got out to a commanding 17 nothing lead. But a late first-half pick set up a Haskins touchdown to Logan Thomas. That breathed some life into them. At halftime, Ron Rivera needed a planned IV in his debut as he battles cancer. And second-year quarterback Dwayne Haskins stepped up and lit a fire that the football team responded to. Barber scored twice. Wentz turned it over two more times en route to an improbable Washington football team win and their first win against the Eagles, as I said, since 2016. Chase Young, Ryan Kerrigan, and the scary front seven racked up a weak high in the league, eight sacks, and held the Eagles scoreless in the second half as the football team cruised to a 27-17 to victory. Over in Santa Clara with the Cardinals and the 49ers, we had what was the defending NFC champions and almost Super Bowl champions, San Francisco, trying to pick up where they left off, much like a lot of the teams did. And it looked like they might, getting out to a 10-0 lead early on a 76-yard catch and run by Raheem Mostert. The Cards, who were a big sleeper team this offseason, to the point that people really thought they had legitimate playoff aspirations, showed why with Kyler Murray rushing like Michael Vick and slinging balls to Hopkins left and right, who ended the game with 14 catches for 151 yards and a fourth quarter Kenyon Drake touchdown put the Cardinals up for good as they stole the game from the 49ers by a final score of 24 to 20. Moving on to Sunday night football on NBC. Uh, the two best teams in the NFC last year that didn't make the playoffs squared off. 
And it was a matchup that was featured in the greatest stadium of all time being debuted. Uh, the Cowboys and their groundbreaking offense managed to put up a staggering 17 points against the middle of the pack defense. Zeke did his thing with 130 yards and a couple scores, but that did not prove enough as Malcolm Brown and company, along with Robert Woods, each put up 100 yards at their respective positions. And a rough call at the end on Michael Gallup, much like A.J. Green, an OPI call, changed the complexion of the game. C.D. Lamb showed some flashes, but it took a few bad breaks for the Cowboys in order for them to lose what was basically a typical Cowboys game. Moving on to the Pats versus Aaron's Dolphins. You, uh, you have to assume Bill Belichick had this one circled early on because Fitzmagic and company knocked the Patriots out of a bye and essentially ended their dynasty. But Sunday, uh, we got Fitz tragic as he threw for under 200 yards and three picks. Meanwhile, Newton made everybody feel like the Patriots were back, that they're legit and they should be the favorites in the AFC East as he threw for 155 yards on only four incompletions, carried the ball 15 times for 75 yards and a couple of rushing touchdowns en route to a convincing 21 to 11 victory. The Bills and the Jets in Buffalo, Josh Allen dazzled, putting up over 300 yards passing and 50 yards rushing, along with a couple scores through the air and one with his legs. Diggs and him had something going with Diggs racking up 86 yards on eight catches. John Brown and rookie Zach Moss caught the touchdowns from Josh Allen and Sam Darnold saw some ghosts with a QBR of 19.3. Sam Darnold was certainly raising some questions about his future, but in the present, the bills won the game by a score of 27 to 17. The Raiders and the Panthers faced off in Las Vegas's debut and Teddy two gloves was pretty good. Tossed a, a nice long touchdown to Robbie Anderson. CMC did his thing, but it wasn't quite enough as Josh Jacobs stole the show, wrapped up almost 100 yards rushing, three touchdowns, including the go-ahead touchdown to give the Las Vegas Raiders a 34-30 win. And last but not least, Tampa Bay, week one, looking to start things off right. And a Brady rushing touchdown put them up early. And he also tossed a couple touchdowns, but he also tossed two picks, including a pick six. That was the only defense and special teams touchdown of the week. And Breeze did his thing. Kamara took over. Emmanuel Sanders had his first score as a New Orleans Saint. And despite Michael Thomas having a very bad week, and now as we see, he will be pushed on the IR. The Saints marched to a 34-23 victory in pretty convincing fashion. And that's week one right there. There's week one. What was your guys' uh, favorite game this week? Aside from... Okay, could you yeah. let me? Aside from the football team and the Ravens, mm, probably the Cowboys. Um, I'm not sure. I would maybe go with the Titans Broncos. I just enjoyed watching that game. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say the our Monday night matchup: Steelers Giants. It was nice to see Big Ben back in action. Juju Smith-Schuster played really well. I just thought it was a fun game to watch. But looking forward to week two, we have our next new segment. Uh, what do we want to call it, guys? Pick the line, call the line, walk the line even. Long story short, as we well, Should we up, start with some overreactions from week one, KB? You want to do that instead first? I'm all good sure. to do that. Yeah. Okay. Greatest overreaction, Mitchell Trubisky's back. That, that's what I'm going with. Trubisky is back. I'm not saying they're winning the division or anything, but they are not going to be the laughing stock of the league anymore. That's my overreaction. 
What do you guys? Trubisky's back to what though is my only question. The season mm, where he had a good defense. Yeah, and I mean, (laughs) he had one good quarter. Like he was terrible for three quarters, and I think it was certainly a very impressive performance, but. One good quarter week one against the Lions defense, especially the Lions defense missing Jeff Okuda, is not indicative of a great season. And I think every scene, everything we've seen over Mitch Trubisky over the first few years of his career and over the first three quarters of that game is what completely outweighs anything we may have seen in that last quarter. Yeah, I mean, it's also like the Lions literally had to and the Bears, the game in the yeah. end. And like I, I don't, I don't really. Mitch Trubisky is not very good. At the end of the day, quarterbacks have fluky games, and he basically had a fluky quarter. I mean, he was he was for the first three quarters, he looked like Mitchell Trubisky, and that. Seemed, so I guess we're calling it an overreaction, but yeah. I still don't understand. Like this is just Mitchell Trubisky; he's bad. Yeah, he's not a good quarterback. So Josh, you have something for us. I mean, it's kind of boring, but like the Buccaneers, I don't know if I believe this, but the Buccaneers won't make the playoffs. I think to an extent that's an overreaction only because this year there's more playoff teams. I think if it had been last year's playoff format, I could agree with that. I think they're going to get it together. There was the whole thing where Tom thought the rap, like the coverage on that first interception where he overthrew Mike Evans was one thing and Mike Evans called it the other. Then Bruce Arians came out saying it was one thing. Then later he recanted that statement, so it was the other. I think these are just growing wounds for Tampa Bay. Yeah, Tampa Bay. And I think they'll figure it out. I think they'll still make the playoffs, but it won't be the prettiest sight going forward. Yeah, I mean, Brady's team has struggled in the past, obviously. We remember the Monday night game against the Chiefs. Of course, this is a whole different culture, and there's nothing established in Tampa. But just in terms of a a fun Brady stat to bring up here, he's lost his opener three times, which, first of all, is an insanely low number. But he's lost his opener three times before this year, and each of those times he ended the year with a Super Bowl ring. So I think it's a little bit early to say that Tom Brady and the Buccaneers won't make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I'll talk about this more when we get to our picks, but what we saw from the Buccaneers is exactly what I expected of them this early in the year. And nothing has changed from my sort of overall outlook for the Buccaneers season, which does include them making the playoffs. Yeah, all right. So my first potential overreaction um, is that Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones are the best airing of receivers in the league better than Godwin and Evans better than Odell and Jarvis. Is that an overreaction? I don't think maybe over Evans and Godwin's an overreaction, but Odell and Landry is not a reaction. I was kind of for my second overreaction just to quickly bleed into that. Um, I was going to say the Browns don't know what their offense is. And we've heard some rumors about Odell possibly getting shopped around and traded. I think that's, going to happen. I don't think Odell is going to stay. I think Ridley has a bit more to prove before Julio and Ridley become like the ultimate wide receiver tandem in the league. So right now I still give it to Goblin and Evans, but I wouldn't say it's an overreaction. I would just say it's a possibility of either being accurate or an overreaction. It's kind of middle of the pack for me right now. So 
I'm going to go with a little bit of an overreaction just because, and this isn't a ding really against either of them, but the Falcons are the king of garbage time stats. And we saw it again on Sunday um, with a couple late touchdowns, to get them to 25 points when after they struggled for most of the game. Um, and Ridley and Julio are both incredible, but I think both of Ridley's touchdowns came once they were down big. But um, does that matter? In the landscape of our, of like, you look at a receiver's body of work, you look at their stats. Right. But I think, I mean, I think to an extent, it is important to understand that they thrive the most against prevent defenses, which again, it's not a ding against them, but um, I've always been very wary, with the exception maybe of Julio, just because of how good he is, of especially Matt Ryan's stats. Just because I think, again, didn't he throw for something like 425 or 430 yards this weekend? I think uh, I was looking at it. It was, I want to say, 450 compared to Wilson's 320. Yeah, the amount of times there's a game where Matt Ryan isn't very good and I look up at the end and he has like 350, 400 yards. It happens a lot. Um, But I don't know if it's an overreaction. I think it's a reaction. I think it's an argument. Yeah, I think it's a slight overreaction. Just because Evans and Godwin did it for 16 weeks last year or 14 weeks until whoever got hurt. But this was one week. They both are in the top five in receiving through the one week. But I agree with everything you guys said. I think it's an interesting case for it. But I'd say right now, you still have to give the nod to Evans and Godwin. Yeah. Uh, I already kind of bleeded into my second overreaction. But again, it's the Browns don't have an offense that they've figured out. It's just kind of a big jumble of really talented players. Do you guys agree or disagree with that? Yeah, I mean, it's no different than last year. I mean, or any Browns year, really. I think, I think we need to give Kevin Stefanski a little time to figure out this offense. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think the one encouraging sign I saw from Sunday is that Baker Mayfield was very good when he was put in play action situations. Um, and I had, I talked to Sammy before about how the case for the Browns making the playoffs this year is that Baker Mayfield is not as good a quarterback in any way, but he and Kirk Cousins like to do the same type of things. Um, and you could very easily see the Browns recreating the Vikings offense last year. Um and you can sort of even insert the cast of characters that they have into the same guys the Vikings had last year. Um, and Kevin Spansky sort of went away from the play action, and Baker Mayfield began to do his usual thing where he panics and rolls out. But Baker Mayfield is at his best when he's able to drop back, plant, and fire, and that's most effective in play action. So if the Browns go back to that, it's an encouraging sign for them, but it just looks like a mess over there. The body, the thing that hasn't changed from last year is the body language, the chemistry, the continuity all seems off. And as soon as, you know, as soon as they got punched in the mouth by the Ravens, they didn't really know how to respond. Um, and it's just an issue with them. Mm-hmm. Sammy, what do yeah. you say? Well, I'm, I'm saying that I just don't know how to, because this one I also just felt like coming into the year was clear, if that makes sense. Like, I don't really think it's an overreaction or an underreaction. I just think the Browns offense struggles. It's just what happens. Um, I don't like it wasn't like this week something happened that I wasn't ready for. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, also, remember, they were playing against one of the probably undisputed two best teams in football. Um, definitely. Yeah. So, they oh, were, oh, sorry to interrupt. Go they ahead. They were the tougher hands in week one than almost any other team. Yeah. 
definitely. Josh, you got any more overreactions or Sammy? Cardinals will win the NFC West. <laughs> it's not an overreaction in my opinion. I agree. I think like, it's just good. not like it's, there's a case for it and it's, it, we'll see what happens this week. We'll see what happens in the next coming weeks. I want to see them play the Seahawks once, but the Cardinals are good. They clearly know what they're doing. Like they have an identity. They clearly believe in themselves. They have one of the more underrated defenses. The, yeah. All the pieces are there. Yeah, I, I think they have a young, encouraging defense. I think some of the mistakes like we saw with Isaiah Simmons over-pursuing on the Raheem Mostert touchdown is stuff that we can be fixed, and Boone Baker had a very good game. Um, and offensively, you know, Kyler Murray ran around that defensive line, and um, 24 points against that defense is no small task. I mean, up until, you know, a Damian Williams garbage-time touchdown – 24-20 was the score of that Super Bowl last year. Um, and it was a very impressive performance like that. Hopkins looked otherworldly. And we should remember that they looked this good and they didn't even really start to get Christian Cook, Kirk or Larry Fitzgerald or even Dan Arnold, who's a tight end that some people have been hyping up, integrated into that offense. I think they're going to keep getting better and getting more guys involved. And I think they're a scary team. Yeah, I don't think it's an overreaction. What do you think, KP? Um, I don't. So I didn't get to watch the game, but I'm just looking at the stats, and I don't think it's crazy the fact that Murray was able to go 230 yards passing with a touchdown. He did throw an interception, but those can be fixed. Uh, he also had 91 rushing yards, a touchdown. Kenyon Drake, 60 rushing yards, a touchdown. Hopkins, 14 receptions, 151 yards. Like Josh says, I think the only problem is they need to include. Kirk, Fitzgerald, and Arnold in the offense. Otherwise, if teams just key in on Hopkins and no one else can really do anything, then they'll be stopped. Like, obviously, that makes sense. You stop the best player, and if other people don't step up, you aren't going to win. But with them, based off this one stat line, that'll be seriously a problem if they can't fix it. But aside from that, I think they're a really promising team. I'm excited to watch them going forward. Like, I don't think it's a reaction. With that being said, I'd still pick the Seahawks to win the division. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, I don't think it's a reaction to say that. Um, okay. So my second overreaction was the winner of the AFC South will not win nine games. Like they will win less than nine games. Is that an overreaction? Reaction just because it's so hard to predict that in the NFL. I mean, we said that all year about the NFC East and the Eagles wound up winning nine games. Um, like I don't think the AFC South is very good. I think the only team there that inspires any type of confidence right now is the Titans, and I don't think they're that good. Um, I think it's the worst division in football, um, but I just think, based on the statement, it's just hard. It's very rare for that to happen. Um, I think, sorry to interrupt you, Josh, but I think the Titans can get to those nine wins purely off the fact that it is such a bad division, which means, in theory, they could get four to six free, not free wins, but easier wins against the other teams. And they already got one. So that brings them to seven. Like they only have to win a few out of division games to really get to that nine wins total. The one caveat I will say that makes it a little bit different than the NFC East last year is that last year in the NFC East, you had two bottom five teams um, where correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe both Dallas and the Eagles swept Washington and the Giants last year. 
So, yeah, it sounds right. I think that I think they both went five and one in the division. Yeah, um, which helped pad their win totals. Right, that's kind of where my thinking was. If I can just interject, like I agree with you completely because let's just say that the Eagles split with one of the two Giants or Redskins last year. All of a sudden, they are in it, and so like, do I think that the Titans can go five and one in the division? Maybe, but if they go four and two, am I really thinking that they're going to win? four other games outside of their division. Maybe, yeah, but there's a better case for that division splitting the difference. Right. Like, I still think the Jaguars could be bottom feeders. I, I thought about making an overreaction about the Colts being the worst team in the NFL, but it's just too soon to say that. Um, but, yeah. So, I think that I think that covers all our overreactions, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, now we're into – do either of you have a name for what we're calling this, or next week we'll come up with Here a name? We'll figure it out. So basically what we're going to do is we're just going to go over the lines for this upcoming week. Uh, we're going to keep track of it. And at the end of the season, we'll see who wins. We're going to talk about the games, see what we're looking forward to. First off, though, let's talk about the Thursday matchup, Cleveland versus Cincinnati. Cleveland is minus eight and a half point favorites. Uh, for those of our listeners who don't know how the line works, if Cleveland's eight and a half point favorites, that means – if they win uh, by eight and a half, they don't succeed. But if they win by nine, they do succeed in being the favorite. Did I explain that well, or do one of you want to interject there? I think everybody knows what this yeah. is. I got to um, be honest. Okay. So, anyways, week one, Cleveland minus eight and a half, or week two, game one. Josh, take us away. I mean, I'm going Cincinnati plus eight and a half. This one seems pretty easy to me. I mean – Regardless of the opponent, we saw absolutely nothing from Cleveland last week that suggests they should be eight-and-a-half-point favorites against any professional football team. And the Bengals came close to winning last week. Um, And at the very least, I think this will be a close game. Yeah, I was kind of hoping you and Sammy – I don't know what Sammy's going to answer, but I was hoping you guys would say Cleveland, and I'd be like, oh, I'm going to sneak in this Bengals pick because – Based off what you were saying, Josh, we did see Burrow and Green connecting, which is a good sign. They have a fairly talented offensive roster. Like you said, Browns showed for nothing. And if they get jolted by the Bengals, like if the Bengals come out and surprise them, I don't think they're going to be able to come back from it. So I'm also taking uh, the Bengals here. Yeah, if you remember, KP, you texted us these lines, and I said I was like confused where you got them from. That was mm-hmm. because I just read the first one and I saw how absurd this line was. Yeah, because I've been seeing I've been seeing Browns uh, minus five and a half. Yeah, that's maybe the word even four and a half. Yeah, and so that's like the reason I texted. And so on that note, I think for sure Bengals plus eight and a half. I think it's an insane line. Yeah, that one that that's one of the easier ones. Of I think it might be the easiest one. Now, with that being said, would I be so surprised if the Browns beat the Bengals by ten? No, but in terms of picking a game and. If they were to play this game a hundred times, I think seventy or eighty of the times the Browns would cover this spread, or the Bengals would cover this spread, and yeah. that's being conservative. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Next matchup we have is the Rams. Should you write that down, KP? Yeah, I got it covered. Bengals plus right, and a half sure. across the board. So next up, we have the Rams versus the Eagles. The Eagles are four and a half point favorites. Um, I'm going to kick it off, and I'm going to go with the Rams. 
I know they barely beat the Cowboys, but I did not see anything from the Eagles in their game against the football team that really provided any sort of inspiration for me to say that they'll play well. They'll be getting Lane Johnson and Miles Sanders back this week. I don't think that really changes too much, and I think I could still I could see either of them only winning by a field goal or the Rams winning. I don't know about so, you guys. So I also have the Rams plus four and a half here, but for slightly different reasons. Just in the sense that I want I want to make it clear that I'm picking the Rams because I think the Rams are good, not because the Eagles are bad. Because I do think that getting Miles Sanders back and Lane Johnson back will, will make an enormous difference. But I think like we all kind of said the Cowboys were better than the Eagles. The Cowboys were better than the Eagles. So why would we think that the Rams wouldn't put up just as good of a fight, if not better, in what seems like a better matchup for Aaron Donald even? And there's just tons of factors. Um, I don't love the traveling cross-country thing. We'll see how that plays itself out and how it manifests itself. But all in all, I think that right now the Rams healthy are a very talented team and it's unfortunate if you get them on your schedule this early in the year i mean just think about last year they went three and oh and then finished the season nine and seven like i wouldn't be surprised if they have a similar arc this year yeah mm-hmm. um, i'm going with the rams too i think the eagles might win this game but four and a half is a high spread and i think it's going to be a field goal game either way um i think the eagles will be significantly better this week just because Lane Johnson does change things. The offensive, they were playing with two fifths of an offensive line last week. It was hard. They didn't, weren't really able to establish much of a running game or even get the receivers that involved in the passing game. Miles Sanders brings both of those to a table. But I just think no matter which direction it was, four and a half is a little high for this game. So I'm going to go with the Rams. Yeah. And if you want something to look forward to with this game, um, Goff and Wentz, one and two picks a few years ago, different career paths, but. One other thing to note, the last time that Wentz and Goff faced off, yeah. Wentz to his ACL. So yeah. we'll see if it he was, has this one circled. It was a fantastic game the last time they played. Well, that wasn't the last time they played. That was the last time Goff and Wentz played, but uh, Nick Foles went and led a big um, upset against that really good Rams team um, in prime time a couple years That's ago. Or, yeah, two years ago. Very true. Yeah, but either way, they've had good games. Yeah, it, there's storylines there that are definitely interesting to follow. The Eagles kind of need a win, um, so don't be surprised if they do get one. But like Josh said, four and a half is a bit steep. Yeah. yeah. Next up, Tampa Bay versus Carolina. Tampa's the home team, and they have a minus eight and a half line. Sammy, kick it off for us. What are you thinking? Well, I'm telling you right now, KP, this is going to be the first one where we have a disagreement on. Because I know for a fact my friend Josh is going to be picking the Panthers here. Um, but I'm going Tampa Bay minus eight and a half. I think it's a too high of a line. But I just I don't see Tampa Bay not winning by double digits. Um, so I don't, I don't know if I need to explain myself. Um, it's not a must-win game. But you don't want to start 0-2 in your division, this Tampa Bay thing. Uh, it worries me that Evans is still banged up. Godwin's in concussion protocol. But with all that being said... I really don't think the Panthers are very good. I was surprised at how well they played against the Raiders. We'll see what happens, but pencil me in for Tampa Bay minus eight and a half. So, so ahead, Josh. I agree that the Panthers aren't very good. I don't think the Buccaneers are very good either right now. Um, and like I said, this fits in with my arc of sort of how I envision their season going. Because the thing is, the whole continuity thing with Brady and the new receivers has been beaten into the ground. But that is an issue, and I don't need to explain myself. But the other thing that people have been talking about 
is just from a practice standpoint, the Buccaneers are already incredibly undisciplined. They led the league in penalties last year. And just in general, those are the kind of things that you work out during training camps when you only have six weeks of training camp and basically only two or three weeks in pads with no preseason games. That just gets taken to a whole nother level. And that's when you see things like people running to e- into each other on kickoffs. Um, and there are going to be, you know, two or three of those inexplicable plays in this game. Not say that the Panthers are the kings of discipline, but just this Buccaneers team is so, so undisciplined. Um, and in many ways, this is like just with in terms of the way p- things are playing out. This is like the preseason for them right now. And what I saw last week didn't change anything I thought about them. Because I think because of the talent they have on that roster, they're going to turn things around and sneak into the playoffs. But I think as of now, they're at the very least in the bottom half of the NFL, if not the bottom 10. By the end of the year, they'll probably be in the top 10. Um, But this is strictly a week two bet for me, where I don't think either of these teams are very good. And I think this will be a close game. If this game was on week 12, with the way I think the Buccaneers are going to figure things out, I would be hammering Tampa. But... I just think right now Tampa's not that great, and they still have things to figure out. So with right. that being said, you're taking before, the, Wait, sorry, just so I can make sure. So, Josh, you're taking Panthers plus eight and a half? Yeah. Okay. Before sorry, I let ahead, KP Sammy. settle the tie or whatever you want to call it, the one thing I want to push back on is what would you rather? Would you rather Bruce Arians and Tom Brady and whatever preparedness they add or first-year starting quarterback for the first time in four years, Teddy Bridgewater, and first-time ever head coach Matt Rule. I mean, there was issues with continuity for the Panthers, too. Other than a long touchdown to Robbie Anderson, there really wasn't much to say, oh, this passing game is going to be good. CMC did his thing, but the Buccaneers actually have a decent run defense. Um, I think it's the kind of thing where if, if you want to talk about who's less prepared, I don't think it's the Buccaneers. I think it's the team that has only played one game at all together. Um and like a head coach that's 0-1 in his career versus Bruce Arians, who's an established coach. Yeah. So I'm going to sell the tie and it's going to Tampa Bay. I'm taking Tampa Bay minus eight and a half. Uh, kind of based off what Sammy's already said, but also just knowing Tom Brady, I don't think he wants to start out his new career uh, 0-2 with a new team. I think part of it's just going to be, he's going to want to be like such a strong leader and just take over. I know you can't really it's hard to take over a game as a non-running quarterback. But if you guys get what I'm saying, like he's just, I think he's going to will them to a victory. I think it's going to be a 10 point victory or something that is outside of the minus eight and a half, maybe nine points. Who knows? I just think we're going to see a bounce back from Tampa this week is where my headspace is at. I mean, I just think I'm not saying they're going to go 0 and 2. I think they're going to win a close game. And the one point I would make is the Buccaneers led the league in penalties last year with Bruce Arians as their coach. I mean, yeah. it, it's like if Bruce Arians doesn't change all the problems that they had, and I think training camp makes those problems worse. And it's an issue specific to this Buccaneers team. That's not really a continuity issue. It's more just the type of th- team they have, and lack of practice makes that worse. Um, I guarantee you that, like, like we'll what happens. Yeah, but I'm just saying I guarantee you that there's no way Brady's okay with there being so many false starts. And I'm yeah. telling you – that he will talk to them. And if that doesn't work, I don't know what to tell you, but there's I, like, I have no doubt in my mind that those issues will be addressed this week. Um, mm-hmm. All right, let's move on. Next up, we've got Pittsburgh versus Broncos. It's in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is five point favorites minus five. I'm going to take the Broncos here. Uh, I know the Broncos didn't have a great game against the Titans, but neither did the Steelers against the Giants. I think especially if Cortland Sun can come back, 
for the Broncos. We saw a lot out of Noah Fant, the tight end for the Broncos, as well as rookie Jerry Judy. Melvin Gordon wasn't bad. He looked pretty good, not great, but I think he could have a great game. It does scare me with the Steelers having such a great defense against such an inexperienced Drew Locke. I still think, though, plus five, I'm going to take the Broncos here. Um, I'm going to go with Pittsburgh here. Um, I think this line is a little lower because of the Broncos-Titans game is a close game. But the one thing I should point out is that the only reason it was a close game because of something which was completely out of Denver's control, which is how bad Goskowski was. There was one blocked field goal, which you can give Denver credit for, but even the blocked field goal is something that statistically is not really repeatable just on a week-to-week basis. Um, at the end of the day, Goskowski left 10 points on the board, and the Titans did move the ball well against them. Um, I think the Steelers had a rough start, but basically dominated the last three quarters of that game. Um, I mean, after the Giants had the long touchdown to Slayton, they didn't score again until garbage time. I think this defense is legit. I think... The Broncos, I think the Broncos' offense was good in spurts, um, but I think even Noah Fant was shut out in the second half. Sammy knows I'm really big on Noah Fant this year, um, but I just think this is shaping out to be sort of a, you know, six to ten point win for Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with the Steelers minus five. I, I loved everything I saw from the Steelers. I don't know if that's an overreaction, but I'm just going to say – when you think about the Steelers, you think about like the good Steelers teams or the great Steelers teams, Big Ben able to get the ball to more than one receiver, check. The Steelers to be able to play any running back and for them, for him to go off, Benny Snell, check. And then you add in last year where the defense held Saquon Barkley. The bottom line is Saquon Barkley had fewer stats when, or fewer rushing yards than Ben Roethlisberger, which is a funny stat, but it's also a telling stat. And so I'm not just convinced, oh, Melvin Gordon is going to have a good game. I think it's all going to fall on the shoulder of Drew Locke. And I don't see him doing enough to be able to overcome what is a really great Steelers defense. Um, we'll see about Sutton. I think he's a little bit of an X factor here when you're worried about a backdoor cover, but I'm going to go with Steelers. Yeah, I mean, so one stat I saw from Football Outsiders is there's a stat called adjusted line yards per carry which is basically how many yards per carry the offensive line gives you in a game. Um, And last week, the Giants had negative 0.14 adjusted line yards per carry. And whether that's a combination of the Giants offensive line, the Steelers defensive line, or both, the Steelers defense is really good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, anyways, next up, um, home game for Dallas. They're taking on the Atlanta Falcons, and they have – a minus seven and a half favorite. Sammy, kick it off. Um, all right. Um, I'm going with Atlanta. Atlanta plus this, seven and a half. Yeah, I think this should be a high scoring game. Um, we'll see if the Cowboys against what I consider to be a middle defense, the Cowboys didn't show up. We'll see what they can do against the bottom tier defense. Would I be surprised if the Cowboys won 40 to you know 24? No. But seven and a half against an offense like like the Falcons, which Josh and I have discussed, they're the master of the backdoor cover. And seven and a half seems like just set up to be covered on the backdoor. And so um, if I was picking the game, I'd probably pick the Cowboys. But that's not what this is. We're picking the spread. And so I'm going with the Falcons plus seven and a half. Right. So 
Um, I'm very tentatively going to go with Dallas. The backdoor cover thing really scares me, but I think Dallas is still really good. I think if not for a really shady pass interference call, we're having a completely different discussion about them this week. Um, and well, I mean that I will, I, something I do want to just say is like overtime would have happened. Like we don't know they would have won. Right. I mean, they could have been in a position to score a touchdown, even though at that point. But we know that they're, okay. Yes. You're right. 30 seconds. Either way, the game is extended at the very least at that point. Um, and Dallas did move the ball. Well, I think the Rams defense is okay. And I was encouraged by a lot of the stuff I saw. I think Atlanta's defense is really terrible. Um, and I think the Cowboys are going to put up at least 30 to 40 points in this game. The backdoor cover thing scares me, but I don't want to make a pick on the prospect of a backdoor cover. So that's why I'm tentatively going Dallas. Okay. So I'm going to take Atlanta plus seven and a half. It's just, it's such a large line. The backdoor cover could happen. Their offense has played well. If Gurley can step it up and get more than 56 yards, I think they will have a great game. Defensively, there's some big, big questions there. Their first round pick, what was it? AJ Terrell, right? Who they took at 19, got burnt multiple times defensively. I think it's going to be a shootout of a game. It's going to be a mess of a game, but I still think Atlanta will get that plus seven and a half. So like that's where Robert Woods had over 100 yards receiving. The Cowboys secondary is awful, like completely terrible. And now they have Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, who might be the best one-two combo, according to somebody who seemed really intelligent, their overreaction. Um, so, yeah, I don't um, know. I think it should be I, – I, I will say this. If the Cowboys do not win, it's time to start panicking. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and one small storyline to point out is A.J. Terrell, like Aaron mentioned, was drafted at 16 by the Falcons who left C.D. Lamb on the board to go to the Cowboys at 17. Um, so if we see them in a matchup, that could be an interesting thing to look for. Definitely. Yeah, that's a good point. Next up, San Francisco, four-point favorites against the Jets. This is a lock for me. Um, I think this is way too generous of a spread. Not too generous, like too small, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like against the Jets, it should be at least a touchdown. Um, maybe I missed something during the Jets game or the 49ers game, but I feel like San Francisco minus four here is as good of a guarantee that you're going to get. I don't know about you guys. Josh, you want to go or do you want me to? Sure. So I'm not that confident. I'm going to pick San Francisco, but I think this is not a lock for a number of reasons. First, traveling cross country is always a dangerous thing. Um, the sort of the dreaded thing is always West Coast team on a one o'clock game. Second, San Francisco is so banged up right now. I mean, they basically have no receivers. They signed Mohamed Sanu, but it just always is hard to sign a guy in a week and then integrate him in over the weekend. There'll probably be some type of snap count as he learns the offense and progresses. Um, he's more familiar with Kyle Shanahan's system, but for any player, there's still a learning curve. Um, Richard Sherman now was placed on the IR this week. Um, and there are a number of warning signs for San Francisco right now. That being said, if you were to ask me after one week, I think the Jets are the worst team in football. Um, and I think they're just a dumpster fire right now. 
from coaching to quarterback to the opt-outs on defense. Um, so I'm going to go with San Francisco. Yeah, I'm going San Francisco. Um, everything Josh says, I agree with. If you need to hear what my opinion, just rewind it about 30 seconds and listen to Josh again. Um, Cause I agree. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, next up we have the Buffalo bills who are taking on the dolphins. It's a home game for the dolphins. Buffalo is at minus three, Josh go. So one thing I should mention is there will be fans at this game. Um, as crazy as that is are allowing 13,000 fans. Why the Miami dolphins of Miami comma Florida are allowing fans into the stadium is another question. Also, but, the fact that they think they're even going to get 13,000 fans, that's another question. But um, I'm going to go with the Bills. I think the fact that the Bills game wound up being a 10-point game was a little concerning to me. Um, Josh Allen did a really good half, and then in the second half went back to being erratic and missing a lot of throws. He certainly looked better, but um, there comes a point where he's still Josh Allen. But I think... The Bills' defense is legit. I mean, I think it's really good. And I think Miami's okay. They're not that great. I mean, even last year, 5-11 and 11 was a little bit of an overachievement for them. And I wouldn't. I think this – like last year, they were more of a 3-13 and 13 type team. I think this year, they're more of a 5-11 type team. I, I think Buffalo is better than them. I'll, I'll, I'll go Buffalo minus three here. Sammy, what do you think? I already have yeah. my pick. Why? I, I have my pick. It's also Buffalo minus three. I want to see if you have anything else to say about it. No, I also have Buffalo minus three. Um, until Tua starts, I, I, I'm kind of over the Fitzmagic, Fitzpatrick, Fitztragic, Fitzhuzit, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's over. Um, I like the Bills. I think minus three is a little bit of an absurd line. Like That feels very easy to me. We'll see what happens. Um, I, I, Josh Allen's body of work from last game is promising to me more so than concerning. And so I think he'll try to keep that momentum. I liked that Diggs didn't seem to miss a beat in that offense. Uh, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Another surprising line that's coming up. Uh, the one that I'm about to say is Indy is three and a half point favorites against the Vikings. I'm not sure what I missed after Indy lost to Jacksonville and even though Vikings got garbage time points, they still put up more than Indy did. Uh, I think Vikings plus three and a half is a pretty easy cover in my mind. I don't know about you guys. I think there's a chance that the Vikings actually win. I think Kirk Cousins has a decent game. Dalvin Cook over a hundred yards. I th- I just see the fact that the Vikings are going to be Indy who we said was tragic this past week. This is the game. This is my lock of the week. There's no way that the Vikings are going to lose this game. I'd be extremely surprised. Um, Minnesota as well. Um, I don't know how much we saw from Indy. A lot of questions from Minnesota's defense, but they did put up 34 points on the Packers, um, and the Colts just gave up 27 points to Gardner freaking Minshew. Um, So, you know, a lot of questions there. I think Minnesota is better, better. And when you're a better team and an underdog, that's a pretty good bet, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm. I, I, I'm very confused by this line. I'm hammering it anywhere I can get it. I like. I like the Minnesota. Like I, I, I'm teasing. I'm doing anything I can to take advantage of this line. 
Yeah. Next up, Green Bay Packers at home against the Lions, minus six and a half. I'm not sure where I'm leaning on this. I'm still deciding. But one of the weirder things I saw this past week was people saying that Aaron Rodgers still has, quote unquote, weapons on offense. And I don't think that's true. I just think Aaron Rodgers played extremely well and he made whatever wide receivers he had better than they were, if that makes sense. Like, I don't think he has the weapons he needs still. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm I'm tentative to pick the minus six and a half for Green Bay. I think there's a chance the Lions get a backdoor cover. They were a dropped pass away from winning last week. Um, I'm tentative both ways, so I want to see where you guys are leaning first. What do you got to say, Josh? So I'm going to go with the Lions just because I think this is going to be a close game. Um, I think the Packers and Lions play a lot of close games. I mean, last year we remember the week, what was it, five or six game where there was the hands to the face game. And then week 17 with David Blau, it was a 20-17 win for the Packers. Um, I think really up until, like what we said, was sort of a fluky fourth quarter, the Lions did look good. Um, I think they're a solid team, um, and I, I think this will be a close game. So I'm going to go with the Packers winning, but the Lions covering. Um, I'm going to go with the Packers minus six and a half. I think they're a far better football team. I think top to bottom defense, offense, however you splice, slice or dice it. I like the Packers here. Um, I, I don't, Aaron Rodgers looked amazing. He looked like Aaron Rodgers. People had said maybe he'll have a fire lit under him. Kind of seems like he did. Um, so I'm not betting against him. Uh, I'm going to go with the Packers. Uh, I kind of thought about what you said to me, that whole fire lit underneath him. He also said, this is the best his arm has felt. And what was it like his entire career? Was they say something along the lines of that? I think he wants to prove that there was like no reason for the Packers to draft Jordan love that he's still a top tier quarterback. I think getting a good, another division win will not solidify that, but will make him look great and also just provide some confidence to the Packers as a whole. I'm nervous about a backdoor cover from the Lions, but I still think the Packers are going to hold on to this and win it. Uh, next up, though, we have the Bears playing. Uh, I'm actually missing it. I cannot read. Give me one second. The Giants. Are, yeah, they're playing the Giants. Bears are five-point favorites against the Giants. I'm going to go with the Giants plus five. They didn't play well. We, we already talked about Saquon's woes but I think they kind of hung in there against the Steelers who are a significantly better team than Chicago. And that was with Saquon doing nothing. So if Saquon can have a, even a decent game this week, I think plus five is a great line for them. Okay. I'm not sure where you guys lean. I'm going to go with Chicago. Um, I think a um, couple reasons. First, I just think the prospect of that Giants offensive line against the Bears pass rush, specifically a certain Mac Kamakaleo is a very terrifying prospect. Um, again, not sure how much I'll be able to run the ball against that front seven. Um, and I think the thing, just what the Bears feel like this year is every year there's a team who starts off 2-0 who it's a very, very soft 2-0. And 
at the time that it happens, we sort of know that it's fraudulent. Um, and they hang around, but they don't make the playoffs and none of us are surprised. Um, and I sort of feel like that's what the bears are going to be this year. Um, but I think this is shaping up to be sort of an eight ish point win for the bears. Sammy. Yeah. I'm going to go with the giants. Actually. I actually liked what I saw. The fact that they hung in the game without Saquon Barkley, um, the bears don't exactly have the best run defense. The pass rush scares me. It is what it is. I liked what I saw from the giants more than I liked from the bears, despite the outcomes of their games. Um, well, I'd be surprised if the Bears win, no. But I would think it would be a close game. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Uh, so next up, Tennessee versus the Jaguars. This line is crazy. It's minus 11 in favor of Tennessee. Maybe I'm crazy for saying this, but I feel like especially we've, – we've talked about backdoor covers this entire pod. A minus 11 is – a like plus 11 is a pretty – not pretty easy backdoor cover, but – I'd say it's a doable backdoor cover. Uh, If Minshew can play even somewhat comparable to what he did in week one, I think there's a high chance that they're within that 11-point range. I'm not sure about you guys, though. I think think the Titans are going to win. I just think that the Jaguars have a chance to be within that 11 points. So I'm taking Jaguars plus 11. Sammy, you want to go? Sure. Um, I'll... I'm going to go Tennessee here, minus 11. I just think that the Jaguars, it just seems like Josh was talking about like storylines and like how the Bears seem like this team that will only um, will only be good or like will go like a soft 2-0. I think that the Jaguars were just ready for week one. I still think they're awful. If this had been week one, I would have bet. Like I'm pretending as if last week didn't happen. Maybe that will come back to haunt me. But I'm pretending as if this is like a fresh season, and I like the Titans minus eleven. Yeah, um, I'm going Titans minus eleven too. I uh, don't think the Jaguars are. Um, and the one thing we should also mention is that T- Derrick Henry has made the Jaguars into his child the past couple of years. Um, we all remember the 99-yard run and the four-touchdown game. Last year, they played each other again. He averaged eight yards a carry and scored two touchdowns. Um, really, ever since Saxonville, Derrick Henry's just run wild over all over the Jaguars, and I don't see any reason to think that that should change this weekend. Okay. So, Josh, your NFC West favorites or your overreaction favorites, Arizona, have a minus seven line against the 1-0 Washington football team this week. What do you think about their chances? I'm going to let Sammy go first because this line terrifies me in every way. <laughs> um, okay, well, I think, first of all, this is interesting because I, I was talking to Josh how I wished the Chiefs and the Ravens would play later in the year. But Josh was like, yeah, they want to stack the, the marquee matchups early, which I understood. It's just unfortunate that with the way the schedule comes out that these two juggernauts have to face each other this early in the year. I think this is really more of like a conference championship kind of vibe. And so I definitely think like it's up in the air. Um, I was like, I, I was looking at the injury report for today and it looks like the Washington football team is going to get Kendall Fuller back. He was a full participant in practice. 
Um, same goes for Thomas Davis, who was a full participant. DeAndre Hopkins and Larry Fitzgerald did not practice. Um, it says non-injury related, so I'm sure they're both going to play. Um, but just the more, that's more of just me reporting what I read today. I'm going to go with the Washington football team, uh, plus seven, just because I think the Cardinals are good, but I think it, it worries me. It worries me that the fact that Murray was able to run around the 49ers defensive line, like why wouldn't he be able to do that to our defensive line or the football team defensive line? But I kind of just feel like it's going to be a close game. If this front seven's any close to as good as it was last week, I don't see any situation which we lose by more than seven. And like I, I also want to say with the caveat that it helps me make my decision that I'm a fan of one of these teams because from just an outside perspective, this is a really tough line. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go with Washington because I think it's going to be a close game, and I'll leave it at that. Uh, I'm with you guys on Washington football plus seven here. I think they have a chance for a sneaky win. Um, there's a small, small chance if they can limit DeAndre Hop. I know I said this earlier in the pod, and it's kind of stupid to say, but if they can limit DeAndre Hopkins, uh, I guess, volume of catches, don't let him catch the ball 14, 15 times, they have a chance to win. If their D-line can get to the quarterback as many times as it did, they have a chance to win. A lot of stuff will have to go their way for them to win, but I think there's a sneaky chance the Washington football team wins this week. But that's where I'm at. Josh, the next one, you've got to go first. Wait, here. can I say one more thing, Aaron? Yeah, go ahead. Um, there's only been one other time this decade that the um, – I guess, like, technically it's a new decade depending on how you look at it. I know we've had some disagreements about that in the past, but in the last 10 years, I'll just call it, um, there's only been one time that the Redskins slash Washington football team has won their home opener, and it was in 2011, and they beat the Cardinals week two. Just saying. <laughs> Okay. Josh, I'm making you go first on this one. It's Baltimore versus the Texans. Ravens minus six. What are you thinking? Pass. No, no pass. No, this game, we're doing Josh Ravens therapy right now. Is this a, Josh, is this like last year? Um, You and I, we went to Buffalo Wild Wings week one or week two. Ravens won. You freaked out. And then the next week, you and your brothers were saying the entire week, this is a trap game. This is a trap game. Is this another trap game here for you? Yes. Sammy, I was talking about that exact instance last year with Sammy. Um, he also thought that the Bengals, who didn't have a win at the time, were a trap game. After, in like, week nine. Reeks to me of Ravens-Cardinals week two last year. We beat the Dolphins 59-10 week one. We played the Cardinals week two. We were favored by 13 points, which is an inflated line. I think at Houston, being favored by six is a little bit of an inflated line. We wound up winning that game 23-17. We were playing the Chiefs next next the next week. The one caveat I'll have is I think after what happened last year in the playoffs, the Ravens will do no, know that they cannot look ahead to the Chiefs. But this line just terrifies me in every which way. And I feel like no matter which way I do it, I'm going to – do something bad so i am going to let sammy make his pick first no no no, no. that's not how this works 
I Josh, like you, you did make Sammy pick. take the Washington. You let yeah, I you forced him done. to go Washington football team first. We're gonna have to start giving our picks before the segment and then discussing them because this can't be how it works. Josh, come on, let's hear it. Right, I'll call the Ravens. Ravens minus six. I'm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Josh, you look so pained at saying that. Because I'm just scared. I, I'm not. I'm going Ravens minus six. I didn't see anything inspiring from Houston in the season opener. To be fair, they were the first game of the season, no preseason. That could mess them up, but I just didn't see anything inspiring. The Ravens put up 38 points this past week. I, I've got the Ravens here. Uh, I don't think it's much of a question. Yeah, um, I'm going to go with the Ravens too. I it's I my gut when I first saw the line on Tuesday or yesterday I guess it's been a long two days um was the Ravens and then I let Josh and his weird Ravens thing get in my head but my gut's telling me that the Ravens are a much better team than the Texans so I'm gonna go with my gut okay this is not the first time a Ravens line will terrify me no but this is good so we all agree the Ravens is a lock there's no way they blow this game lock of the week Ravens Josh just say it Shut up. No, I'm not saying Josh, that. say it. No. He basically already did. He said the Ravens line, so okay. the Ravens are definitely going to win this week. Next up, the Chiefs are playing away against the Chargers. They have a line of minus five and a half. Uh, this is another line I'm going to be taking. The Chargers barely got away from the Bengals. Kansas City, as we mentioned earlier in the pod, their offense is even more dangerous than it looked before. I don't see any way that they don't win by at least a touchdown. Yeah, I don't understand this line at all. Um, I was talking to Sammy earlier about how something we saw with the Chiefs is eight and a half point favorites might be a little big just because the Chiefs and Chargers have played some close games. And I made the point that the Chiefs and Chargers played a seven point game in Mexico City last year. Um, but five and a half is just low. I think, with the exception of a few teams in the NFL, um, a general rule of thumb is that if you see the Chiefs as five and a half point favorites at any time this year, take the Chiefs. Definitely, Sammy. Yeah, it's the Chiefs for me. I was I felt comfortable going eight and a half, so I feel great going. Yeah, five this feels half. like my lock of the week. It, it is. Lock. So your second lock besides the Ravens, you're saying? Uh. <laughs> okay. We've got two games left. Next up is Seattle against the Patriots at minus three and a half. Uh, I don't know what to say. The Patriots looked interesting week one, but they were also playing the Dolphins. So so what do you do with that? I I have no idea what to say there. Josh, I'm going to force you to go first here. All right. I'm going Seattle for one simple reason. The last two Patriots-Seahawks games have come down to goal line stands with the team needing a touchdown. And with the exception of if you're at the one-yard line and trying to go for it on fourth down, a general rule of thumb is if you're at the end of game needing a touchdown, you're down by four points or more. And I think Seattle's going to win this game. So I'm picking Seattle. Okay. Sammy? I'm picking Seattle, but not because I'm going to predict the exact ending of the game but rather because I think the Seahawks are a better team. Yeah, no, no, I agree with that. I was just making a joke because people forget also the 2016 Patriots-Seahawks game, which was the first rematch since the Malcolm Butler game, ended in the Seahawks having a goal line stand 
um, and winning 31-24 after stopping the Patriots on fourth and goal from the one. I'm taking Seattle here, A, because they're a better team, and also they put up 38 points. New England does probably have a better defense than the Falcons, but they also had a ton of defensive opt-outs. I just don't see a world where Seattle loses this. I don't see a world where it's within a touchdown. I I don't know. I'm just saying Seattle's got this, in my opinion. One thing I want to point out, and I don't know how this affects the line or the game in any way, but it's just something worth monitoring, is as we all know, you know, there are wildfires going off uh, across the West Coast right now. Um, and it, it's there are a bunch of tragic scenes happening, and we've all seen the pictures of L.A. and San Francisco. And right now, Portland and Seattle have two of the three worst air qualities in the world right now. Um, and as of now, I don't think Seattle will be playable. We saw in baseball, the Mariners Giants series got moved to San Francisco, um, where San Francisco is bad air quality, but Seattle is even worse. Um, so I haven't seen talk about it with the game this week, but that's just something to monitor if the situation doesn't get any better, where there's a world in which this game isn't playable in Seattle and needs to be either postponed or moved. Yeah, definitely. In order for the NFL to do something, it has to be way worse air quality than baseball, just according to the rules they have. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, and it, it's happened with the NFL before. You know, the Ravens and Texans in 2008 had a game moved because of a hurricane. I think, was it two years ago that the Buccaneers wound up having their bye on week one because of a hurricane? Was that two, three years ago? It happened yeah, a couple years ago. Um, but yeah, but so I'm going with Seattle minus three and a half. Okay. Uh, I, like we, we all went Seattle across the board. Um, hopefully the air quality gets better, not only so they can play, but also for the citizens of Seattle. Um, but moving into our final game, the Monday night matchup, New Orleans State minus five away at the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm going Saints here, minus five. Las Vegas Raiders put up a ton of points, but it was against the Panthers. Uh, Saints looked great against the Tamp- against the Buccaneers. I just think it's going to be a great game for the Saints, and they'll move to 2-0 this, on the yeah. season. I mean, people were a little bit worried about the offense because Michael Thomas is hurt and Drew Brees didn't look great at times. But the Saints' defense is also really good. I mean, they got punched in the mouth in the beginning and then gave up a score at the end. But basically for three quarters, three and a half quarters, they dominated the Buccaneers. Um, And they have playmakers across the board. They have a really underrated pass rush. I think besides Cam Jordan, I really like Troy Hendrickson. Demario Davis is an all-pro in the middle. We all know how good Marshawn Lattimore is. They have great pieces throughout their defense. I think the offense is going to put up enough points this game. Even without Michael Thomas, they still have Alvin Kamara and a top-flight offensive line, and Emmanuel Sanders, and one of the 10 best quarterbacks we've ever seen. Um, and I think the Saints will win this will co- win this game, cover, and ruin the empty opening of the stadium in Las Vegas. And Sammy, where are you thinking? Yeah, Saints for sure. Uh, like, I don't even – like, this seems like one of the easier lines, too. I think the Saints are really good. I think the Raiders aren't good. And when it's less than a touchdown, and I think those two things are true, I have no hesitation to pick the Saints. Yeah. yeah. 
The thing about the Saints, and this is something that scared me about them last year, um, and we all know how it turned out, but I'm a sucker for the Saints, and is that there are teams who sort of get not good wins, and you leave a game, game feeling not that great about them. With the Saints, you would leave a game feeling sort of iffy about them, and you look up and the production is great across the board. Like, I don't think anyone felt the Saints were too explosive last weekend. And you look at the box score at the end of the game, and they scored 34 points, and Alvin Kamara had three touchdowns, and Drew Brees was efficient as usual. And it just makes them scary when they're putting up that type of production and don't seem that good when they're doing it. Yeah, definitely. But so this has been our first podcast back in a while. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. I'm happy to be back. I'm looking forward to week two. Hope we'll be coming out with some baseball pods, some basketball pods coming up. Um, A lot of basketball to talk about right now. (laughs) Hours of basketball to catch up on. Um, But aside from that, check out our Instagram at the floater pod and Twitter at the floater pod. Uh, Make sure to listen to all of our old podcasts. Keep an eye out for everything. Sammy, it's been a while, but do you remember how to wrap it up? Wrap it up. Nope, not wrap it up. Wrap it up. Oh, okay. That's different. I'll try to wrap it up. All right. Um, On behalf of Josh, KP, and myself, uh, I'm Sammy reminding you guys to stay loyal.